Hello and welcome to another edition of Talking Foosball Extra, the Ausstieg edition. Once again, we are not talking about vaccines. No, we have to talk about vaccines. Of course we have to talk about vaccines and people who don't take them and that fake that and, well, you know the drill. My name is Nick Wiltagen and joining me once again is our tactical and statistical whiz, Jasmine Barber. How are you doing today? Well, it's been a week and I don't know what my emotions are from the last week or two anymore, so I'll let you pick a mood for me for today. Is there a smiley face for being unsure? Um, yeah, why not? I'm sure there's loads of emojis. I'm sure that's one of them. Great. That's the one then. Anyways, a man who sort of had a crying emoji on Saturday, I think. That is Mike Rickemeyer, who, you know, travelled all the way to Darmstadt to see his beloved St. Pauli. Are you doing better now, Mike? Of course. Uh, it's Tuesday and tomorrow we play Sandhausen and probably we can shout Spitzenreiter as Darmstadt did it on Saturday again and then everything will be fine, of course. Well, there you go. Nothing like a match against Sandhausen to lift your spirits then. As I mentioned on at the top of the show, we will be talking about what's been going on at Werder Bremen and with Markus Anfang. That will be uh, our main topic for part one of the show, but we'll also include a little chat about FCL president Helge Leonhardt, who's a bit of a, well, strange figure. And in part two of the show, we'll be giving you some ground-topping advice, and we'll be taking a closer look at the local derby in Leipzig. All of that is to come. Right, Mike, you know, I, I always seemingly start part one by asking you, how was your amazing away trip? How does it feel to be, you know, the table topper and, you know, beating this or that team? And, uh, well, this time around, you traveled to Darmstadt and, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you don't really want to talk about that much, but um, at least get one highlight out of the trip. Did you get to meet Jasmine? Well, that definitely would have been a highlight, but unfortunately, Jasmine was too busy, well, First of all, celebrating and also with work, I think. So, no, of course, the trip to Darmstadt wasn't that brilliant. I need to admit that. Uh, being beaten 4-0 at halftime already, losing your central defender with a broken nose. So it was really a Saturday to forget. And um, the best thing on that day was that at least the train back home was on time. And I, I did meet some great guys that I haven't met before in, in Darmstadt. Uh, so it, it was okay from that perspective. But of course, the experience in the stadium, well, uh, I could have thought of a better way to spend my Saturday afternoon. <laughs> well, you know, Deutsche Bahn getting you there eventually. Jasmine, uh, your boys are, are suddenly looking like the team to beat in the Bundesliga too. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I keep on putting it as I think Schalke is the indicating factor of if a team is good or not. And I've always been unsure or playing down Darmstadt's um, kind of results recently, but this was definitely the biggest one of them all and probably the greatest performance of them all. It's what the joys of data can do in recruitment to get you a free striker like Philip Tietz and a loanee like Luke Pfeiffer, who were probably the highlights of the game. And what's interesting is St. Pauli and Darmstadt had an equal amount of shots, but Darmstadt converted over three XG, where 
as St. Paolioni had 0.5. So that really shows the kind of quality of the team. And we've also got a really strong defensive partnership that's flowering now with um, Thomas Isherwood along with Patrick Pfeiffer, obviously Isherwood last year had a load of injury problems, so he's getting a good run in with Patrick Pfeiffer this year. And not to quote too much because of obvious reasons, but um, Maximilian Hahn has done a great job to recognize that talent and bring them in within the last 18 months. He has so indeed. Well, anyways, well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we have to talk about my team, and once again, it's not pleasant. <laughs> It's not pleasant at all. Uh, but it's entertaining. It is entertaining. It's I mean, definitely that, if anything. Yeah, I mean, it's the sort of shit show you would expect from HSV, but, you know, now it's at Werder, and, you know, the German newspaper has labeled this the biggest scandal in German football, and even bigger than Christoph Daum's cocaine consumption back in 2000, if it turns out to be true. So, the story we're talking about here is... Of course, Marcus Anfang's departure from Werder Bremen. For those of you who have lived under a rock for the last five or six days, Jasmine, can you tell them how that came to pass? Welcome to the first Aufstieg True Crime podcast edition, basically. <laughs> the kind of investigation that's going on, the timeline. Last Thursday, uh, this is the only way I can do it. So all of the details that I know are in there. So last Thursday at around just before 11 o'clock German time, pretty late in the day, Werder Bremen tweeted out a statement being informed of an ongoing investigation regarding the use of a fake vaccination certificate by then coach Marcus Anfang. He strongly denied the allegations and in the statement said, just like every other double vaccinated citizen, I received my two vaccinations in an official center and got the appropriate sticker in the yellow vaccination booklet. For anyone who doesn't know, German citizens and a few other country citizens get a yellow vaccination booklet where all of their injections are recorded with a vaccination batch sticker and stamped from the doctor office or vaccination center. After this, Anfang said he went to the pharmacy to have it digitalized and hoped the situation will be cleared up very quickly. Well, it hadn't been cleared up quickly because <laughs> by Saturday morning, um, both him and his assistant coach, Florian Junger, who was also named in the investigation, had stepped down, citing stress of the ongoing proceedings when really with what's come out since then, it looks like because the authorities investigating them had more evidence, produced a search warrant for both and which in hand forced them to cooperate and therefore step down. I mean, this system of, uh, you know, how you actually digitalize your status as being vaccinated sounds wonderfully convoluted and very complicated. So, of course, it has to be German. I mean, working within healthcare here in Norway, what I know is that I just show my ID, I get my vaccination, and the healthcare official who has vaccinated me will register with the government and the appropriate authorities that I have received my COVID shot or this or that or any other shot. So, I mean, why not do it that way, Germany? Just a thought. I mean, it it might it might cut down on the on the paper trail and make these crimes almost impossible. To be fair, it was after you got vaccinated. After a certain point, you'd have your QR code. Well, I've had mine sent to me after the two weeks. 
and others since the 1st of July you got it in the vaccination centre so they did cut down that paper trail Mm. to be fair excellent (laughs) that's where all the inconsistencies start to pick up I guess in this story yeah go on then I mean how strong is the case that the DA in Bremen has been building so at the start Everyone, I guess, was hoping it was just a mistake or it was just an error, but it turns out the investigation is very strong. So the authorities flagged up the fake certificates, which are now officially fake, as the police have said on Monday, when Marco Friedel tested positive for COVID during this past international break. And the state's health department wanted to check who was vaccinated to avoid quarantine. The Bremen State of Health official picked up on the fake certificates as the QR code certificate had dates of vaccination for both coaches that didn't match some events that had happened in August. In August, to understand this, in August, when flying to the Karlsruhe game, one Bremen player came late to COVID testing and entered the plane without a result. Now, that result was positive at the time, and all unvaccinated staff and players had to be isolated from the vaccinated group and wait for the final result of two more testing rounds, Anfang and Junger included. The problem with that, obviously, is both of their recent vaccination certificates state that they were fully vaccinated from June. (laughs) From June. So, (laughs) if this was the case then they should have never been tested and isolated from the vaccinated group. But the reason that it wasn't picked up, because there was nothing to pick up on this time. There was no reason for them to be like, they're not vaccinated. But there is more than just this. As I said, the dates already don't make sense, but the actual dates of the vaccinations, the first date was a Darmstadt versus Wurzburg match. And the second one was Bremen's training camp in Austria. (laughs) If you don't laugh, you'll cry. (laughs) So unless he was in two places at once, he couldn't get vaccinated. And as the dates say fully vaccinated in June, he also gave an interview in around late June, July, um, just as he joined Damon around that time about not being vaccinated and how it's a personal choice. Karl Heinz Rummenigge of all people also heard that Marcus Anfang was skeptical from getting vaccinated from Darmstadt. Also, if there was not even enough evidence already... I mean, if Karl Heinz says it, it must be true. I mean, mean, out of all people, and I mean, I guess words spread? Yeah. If he's he's like the godfather. He is the original gossip girl, I would feel, of German football. The original gossip girl, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge. XOXO. Uh, I, I Marcus Anfang skeptical. XOXO. Center. Oh, my. <laughs> Crying emoji. Crying emo- um, oh, also. But I mean, but, but I mean what, what, what strikes me here is as Karl-Heinz Rummenigge has apparently heard about this. And then you have Werder Bremen not being aware of it. I mean... How come? I mean, it I mean is, he must have gone into the office and said, hey guys, I changed my mind. I want to do a carnival in Cologne. That's basically in the story. Um, so the word is he was sceptical. Nothing to say that he would then produce a fake vaccination certificate if he wanted to go carnival. Like, as we're seeing with Bayern players changing their mind with vaccination... Maybe he just said, I'm vaccinated now. Hi, guys, I'm vaccinated now. Now I don't need to quarantine. Now I don't need to do this and that. 
But obviously there was even more evidence that the batch number on the vaccination passports were wrong and didn't match the day of vaccination. And the state prosecutor, where the investigation lies, checked if Marcus Anfang was in the system of being vaccinated in Cohen, which he was not. As we said, he needed to be recovered or vaccinated and tested to go to Carnival, which he was probably unvaccinated for, but was delightfully pictured by someone by Build or sent into Build with thousand others. Wearing a chef's outfit and funny glasses. I mean, it's not Carnival if you don't wear the funny glasses, Marcus, isn't it? Anyways, I mean, Mike, what are the consequences going to be to Marcus Anfang here, potentially? I mean, could, could this damage his career? I think you need to differ between the legal consequences and the career consequences. So legal consequences, I, I read somewhere that it could be until... Uh, the highest uh, penalty would be one year in prison. I don't really think this will happen, but you never know. So probably it will be more a financial penalty, I assume. But talking about his career, I would say it's over. So um, at least for the next five years in Germany and at least in the top three or four divisions, I would say, maybe he can get a job somewhere in another country uh, I think this is even worse than the situation was with Christoph Daum because Christoph Daum at that situation back then, he was on the step of becoming the national coach. So he was really, really successful. And then he made that big mistake. But talking about big mistake, I think what Markus Anfang did here, if it's correct, we always have to say that, is even bigger than just only, uh, you see me doing the quotation marks, uh, taking drugs. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, the difference is that uh, when you take cocaine, you might seem a bit talkative at parties and you're mostly damaging yourself. But uh, if you're actually doing what Anfang did, you are endangering everyone around you, yeah. especially if you go to events like the carnival where there is no distance involved at all. Definitely. We're, we're talking about a global pandemic and he just, I don't know, throws away everything. So I, I, I really don't understand. And I, I think Jasmine's already said that at the beginning. On Friday morning, everyone was thinking, yeah, this is, yeah, well, so, something has gone wrong in that pharmacy where he got his QR code uh, scanned and so on. And there will be a solution and, and, uh, it will be explained somehow. And then on Saturday morning, I was in the train to Darmstadt and talked to some people. And some people also said, yeah, Werder has no choice. If all this is like it is at the moment and turns out to be true, they need to fire him. And I think Werder can be happy that uh, he stepped back now from the job so they don't have any financial issues with that. But on the other hand, Bremen paid Darmstadt uh, Four hundred thousand euros. I don't know euros. the exact amount, but the rumors are four hundred thousand. Yeah, so they won't get that back. Yeah, just miss celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thanks for the money, even though we didn't really spend it. But um, yeah, I, I've been. I, I think if he had not stepped down, and there was some sort of invest, as soon as there is an investigation, I think that kind of voids your contract anyway until you are found guilty or if you are found innocent. So 
yeah, I mean, it's a little bit better for Werder Bremen's side that he just stepped down and Florian Junger too. It's always good to have both of them because they're both in being investigated and both seemingly has have made this decision. Can't really say much more than that and see how far he is punished once if, and if it's proven. I mean, it seems like a pretty strong case at this stage. I mean, if there's one pharmacy... Workers as well, you know, I had a private helicopter and I, I you know, I, I took Marcus to all those vaccination dates and I screwed up the batch number, I'm sorry. There's, you know, I mean, it seems like there's no way of getting out of this, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jasmine, you actually do know Marcus a little bit better than the common man or me. <laughs> How disappointed are you if this turns out to be true? Um, I don't want to say... He was such a nice guy, as we get in stories about other people, other men. We often use nice and good. And these people who are always the nice guy, always the good guy, turn out to be the most selfish and most horrible. And that's one of these cases. And it looks to be true because there's no sort of evidence that backs them, either of them being vaccinated in terms of personality or evidence. And it's even harder to take in when you take in the fact that at the start of the pandemic in March of last year, Marcus Amphang spoke about everything, one being in this together and was worried about his sick father being affected. Who had suffers from heart disease, which uh, A, puts him at a higher risk if he should catch COVID. And B, uh, I think uh, from what I've remember having read is that that he actually cannot get the vaccine so he's um doubly screwed and and the fact that his son is you know going around to the carnival in cologne unvaccinated and you know then proceeds to or before that before that managed to produce a fake vaccine passport is um yeah, it's 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 despicable anyways uh some some coaches are more honest than others And, and you know that that is my my last you know um digression on on this topic about Marcus Anfang Kvasniok the man who coaches uh, Jens Kvasniok isn't his name Jens Kvasniok Lukas I think Lukas probably yeah there you go Jens Hertel is the other one but yeah Lukas Kvasniok he says he won't get vaccinated because it's a personal choice which is true but it's a bit of a daft line you know it's a personal choice don't ask me but you know he he says he won't get vaccinated so so what are your thoughts on you know having a coach fanning around north run westphalia and the bundesliga 2 being unvaccinated it's truly must be one of the most underreported stories within german football that you have somebody on the sideline who's supposed to lead having such a rubbish attitude towards what is actually going on in the world right now. There, there were some discussions about that. Uh, I remember from, I would say, September or something, uh, when this hit the media, but, well, no consequences. But he made it public himself. Yeah, actually. yeah, correct. Uh, did, did, as you said, it's at least more honest than what Marcus Anfang did. Maybe not more clever, but as at least not that stupid. I think that's that's the kind of gravitas of it all. It's you can be unvaccinated, it's a personal choice, but to lie and say you are when you're not is just an audacity my mind can't even fathom. I can't even fathom people not getting vaccinated, but 
to then lie about it's even greater. But we'll see how this story develops because there is talks of an RW um, announcing a 2G sport, uh, rule for all sports people in competitions and training that's supposed to come in. We don't know if that will hold in law, but they're trying to introduce it after an undefined transition period, probably a period to try and get as many people, sports people vaccinated so they're unaffected. Um, I mean, the problem here is that you basically forbid people to do jobs. And uh, I don't know, I mean, Christian Heidel, uh, the populist that he is, he actually made a somewhat semi-decent point when he said that in the Bundestag, uh, there's a higher rate of unvaccinated people looking at you after than in the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga too. And, I mean, politicians then passing these laws when they can't get their shit together themselves seems a bit odd for the, f for the first part. And, and secondly, you're forbidding people to do their jobs. You're firing people. You're putting them out on the streets. And can you do that according to, you know, all the other laws in terms of that, that are protecting employment? That's a tough sell. I don't see that coming. So um, I just read today that uh, for the players, they are thinking about making the PCR test mandatory. Uh, I don't know if every day or every second day, I don't know. But this will be the solution for the players. And I think this also applies to the coaches then. And, um, maybe there will be this public pressure. And today I read the Bayern players are now going to be vaccinated. Or at least two of them, Gnabry and Musiala, yeah. And uh, someone might have also talked to Kimmich, so maybe there are some changes coming. But I don't really think that uh, Kwasniak will lose his job because not being vaccinated. Maybe the lady who helped him read his Uji board has uh, talked to him and uh, talked some sense into him. Anyways, um, Jasmine, I mean, we could have talked about so many great things or well, great things or so many other things when it comes to Vertebrae, but I'm sorry that I don't have the time to get into uh, Roger Asala being racially abused by the Schalke fans. Absolute scum. We hate it. Really, be better. You know, this is uncool. It's, it's 2021. Get a life. And if you don't stop watching football, we don't want you. And secondly, we could have talked about Tobias Stieler, which is something that Mike probably would have loved to spend the entire show talking about. <laughs> um, but, you know, Jasmine, you, you wrote down in the script that you did want to talk about one thing that doesn't really relate to, or well, it is kind of related, but uh, not in a direct way. But, you know, Verda is actually looking for a new coach now. <laughs> and you have... Again, I mean, I mean, yes, what we can mention about COVID and Verda is the fact that on Saturday, uh, Daniel Senkovic uh, was on the bench for Verda Bremen as he's an assistant. He was, uh, his assistant on the day was Christian Brandt, former Verda and Hansa Rostock player. Now, Senkovic has tested positive for COVID along, alongside Nikolai Rupp among the Verda players. So he won't be able to coach the team next Saturday against Kiel. So there is Christian Brunt now taking charge of that match with Cedric Macchiardi, who um, Flo Reinecke on, on the fantasy podcast absolutely loves. Anyways, um, so he's like the third coach in like eight days. It's trying to beat Schalke's <laughs> record of last season almost. Yeah, and now they're looking for a fourth name. So what do, you, what do you think? Who should that fourth name be? Well, there were a few names being thrown around that 
the kind of likely names that you would see, Daniel Tune, Daniel Fark, which I thought was a horrible suggestion. But as reported this morning by quite a few, I think Build were the first one. It looks like it's going to be Oli Werner. Few details to be ironed out. I expect it to be probably um, probably after their game against Kiel because this Oli Werner is still contracted to Kiel. But I think it, even though with Verda's money problems, it should be easy to compensate as Kofil is no longer draining Verda's funds. Now he's at Wolfsburg. And they obviously didn't have to pay Anfang any compensation. So Oli Werner for Verda Bremen. Ole, ole, ole. Anyways, let's, you know, end the longest segment that we've had on Werder Bremen all season long. And, uh, you know, let's let's go for something entirely different. And, uh, you know, the segues on, on the on the show turn into something as abrupt and odd as a Monty Python's film. Anyways, but let's talk about Helge Leonhardt. Now, I've seen a few interviews with the man here and there, and he usually always gets ask one question and that is what's it like running a football club in East Germany doing it so successfully and granted he talks about it's being hard and it's you know it's tough we don't get as many sponsors and this and that and from that you know you think like yeah the man seems reasonable and has a point but just recently I came across a clip uh, from Sport in Austin where he talked a little bit more freely about other stuff than you know just running a football club in the east of Germany and uh, suddenly he struck me more like a man who was you know one of the old-fashioned dudes from Mad Mad. So, Mike, can you tell us a little bit about FC Aus president Helge Leonor? Yeah, well, if I need to, um, I, I will do it. Um, <laughs> it's always quite entertaining to listen to him, so in a, in a very odd way, at least. And if you um, like to feel ashamed for someone else, so then it's always a good choice to to watch an interview with Helge Leonor, with Leonhard. So she's, she's mostly entertaining for Catholics, you say? Uh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, when you watch some interviews, do you think it's easy to understand him? No, 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 no. I mean, he's not he's not Streichesk, but you know, he's um he's talking fast and he's talking in a funny dialect and uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your president okay. is he's a lot easier to understand. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, sure. In so many ways. In, in so many ways, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the most remarkable shows he ever delivered took place on the Mother's Day in 2019 when he grabbed the stadium microphone and addressed to all women Become mothers and bring your DNA to Wismut Aue. Uh, so Wismut was the former name of Erzgebirge Aue. And, um, <laughs> A man who's stuck in the past in so many ways. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I remember I was sitting at home when I saw that person on social media and I was instantly looking for a hidden camera joke. So this was so <laughs> unbelievable. But, but he was really quite serious. And of course now... Every now and then, every time we play Erzgebirge Aue, we, we always bring up that interview somewhere. And uh, we, it's, it's always bring your DNA to Wismut Aue, bear some child, so, <laughs> some children. So this is unbelievable. Yeah. And, and um, now in that interview that you mentioned, he made clear that a player doesn't care if you play in Naples, Dresden or Aue. As long as the well, basically the same thing, more or less, yes. Uh, as long as the money goes directly into his account, so he's the player. Uh, and in addition, Leonard praises the beautiful woods around our and the possibility for the wives to go shopping in Dresden and buy a purse. <laughs> so, 
fantastic. You, you might think that the 60s or 70s have called and would like to get him and his views and on, on women back to where they didn't even belong back then. But um, yeah, he's... he's uh, entertaining to put it that way uh, and just before our recording i got a link to an interview he gave today so this was more reasonable to be honest because he uh, asked to interrupt the season uh, until christmas because we now do have a very serious situation in germany and it's not okay to continue with football he might have a point on that so uh, that that's more reasonable than bringing your DNA to Wismodauer, at least. I mean, right now you cannot bring any DNA to Wismodauer. I think they're actually... Or is it another state? Or Auer and Saxony? Yeah, Auer and Dresden, they need to play without visitors. Well, the there you go. I mean, so no no DNA allowed other than the players. Not even the wives. But they're probably being dressed and shopping for purses. Yeah. Anyways. And to be honest, I think the, these these issues with, the, uh, with not being allowed to have any fans in the stadium, I think this is the real reason why he was demanding an interruption of the season. So he was just talking about the money, I'm pretty sure. And now he doesn't have any money to go to Dresden and buy a purse. I'm sorry for him. As a Dresden wife, I've not shopped for a purse then. Yeah, I mean, he... Just he, to put that out there. Well, and the wives of the footballers, oh my, I mean, but you know... <laughs> If it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you play in our Dresden or, you know, Naples, but you can go to Dresden and buy a purse. Well, if you want to cut down the travel, why don't you just play in Dresden then? Just a thought. And, you know, as, as you know, I made sort of a madman reference there at the, at, at the start of, of that segment. But, I, you know, when, what I just started thinking about when you were sort of talking about him, I was sort of like, yeah, you know, in Madman, Joan actually made it. In Helge Leonhardt's world, she wouldn't have. I mean, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, but I I needed I needed a somewhat good laugh, and and thanks for for providing that, Mike. Um, anyways, I think this is it for part one of our show, and in part two we are back talking about why everyone should get ten percent. Stay tuned for that. Hooray! We're finally over in the lower league segment, and as there's been gone on a lot of crap in the Bundesliga 2 of late with both my team and Mike's team, let's talk about some low league football then. And uh, let's turn back to Lok Leipzig, who turned out to be never present in this segment, seemingly. And uh, well, the last time we talked about them was during the days when they were refused to comply or initiate the 2G rule. That was a while ago. Turns out that the club's hands were forced by the rising infection numbers in Saxony, and they did get on board with it before you know the state of Saxony decided that no fans should be allowed at any matches. Anyways, uh, however, last weekend there were still fans allowed at matches in Saxony, and that weekend coincided with the derby against BSG Chemie. Now, Mike, before we get into Lok Leipzig fans' protest at the match, can you? Tell us a little bit about the relationship between these two sets of fans. 
Yeah, sure. If you like to think in cliches, then BSK Chemie is the left-wing club and Lok Leipzig fans are the right-wing fans. And if even if you prefer to differentiate a little bit more, this is still the case for many of them. So no cliche. In the end, both clubs have a huge history and one might think... Might, might still think that one of these clubs should play in the Bundesliga instead of RB Leipzig. Uh, but unfortunately, both of them never managed to unfold their potential in a structured and especially lasting way. So both of them still play in the Regionalliga. I think Leipzig, Lok Leipzig, or formerly known VFB Leipzig, I think we had that discussion in one of the previous shows, mm. uh, played in the first and later on the second league. Chemie played, uh, at that time they were called Sachsen Leipzig, in the third league at least at the time when St. Pauli also played there. So, yeah, but but all of them, they, they, they were never that successful. And so that was the main reason why RB chose RB Leipzig instead of these two. I mean, RB Leipzig was developed after a team called SSV Mackenstadt was bought up. And actually, RB considered oh, that, that you know, that the soda maker that uh, that produces that gubby bear puke tasting soda, um, they con actually considered buying Chimie and they were turned down by them. So uh, it could have been Chimie Leipzig that... Uh, or at the time it was Lux and Leipzig, that could have been turned into RB, but anyways, it wasn't really a matter of which club to buy, it was just a matter of finding some club to buy. Anyways, but moving on with the match, so we have these two teams, and um, the two sets of fans are not necessarily friendly-minded towards one another, but there's one thing that both sets of fans and are adamant about, and Lok Leipzig Ultras decided to design a banner to make that point at the match. So, Mike, your German is a lot better than ours. Uh, what was that banner? But I would love to hear Jasmine reading the German line. <laughs> I will give it a try. So, in German, it was trotz aller Krawalle, 10% für alle. So, more or less, despite all clashes or all rivalry, 10% for all. So usually all away teams in Germany get at least 10% of all tickets. And due to Corona, uh, 6,000 fans were allowed. I think in the end, 5,000 were at the match. So maybe 2G was then too restricted for some of them. So, uh, but, but if 6,000 tickets are available, Chimie should have 600 at least. And they only got 450. And there are many discussions in the two scenes if either the police or Lok Leipzig is to blame for that. So in the end, also the home supporters showed their solidarity with that banner. Nice, nice. I mean, you know, if you sort of get like a hippie-like atmosphere going with like uh, somebody playing a guitar around a you know, little wooden fire... And you think, yeah, these these two sets of fans, they, they can find one another, can't they? And uh, turns out in the second half, that happened something completely different. And that is actually, um, you know, it's it's kind of funny, <laughs> but it's also not cool. So so what happened then, Mike? Yeah, another German lesson. Wer sein Fahrrad liebt, der schiebt. So who loves his bicycle prefers to push it instead of riding it. And um, the BSG supporters, they made a huge bicycle tour to this game and gathered all their bikes at a central point near the stadium. Um, and I, I haven't followed it up front, but I assume 
they announced it somehow. So when uh, then this banner was raised during the game, uh, wer sein Fahrrad liebt, der schiebt. And um, I, I, I can see their brains working at that moment. And they realized, okay, well, when we get back to that point near the stadium, probably there are not that many tires still in order. And uh, <laughs> some tires were treated with a knife during the game. So, of course, uh, this is not very funny, as you said. It's, it's not, not funny. I'm cool. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not in favor of mindless criminal activity as as this quite clearly represents but um i do like a good rhyme especially in german yeah and and to make it a little bit less funny at least uh in addition there was also a rainbow flag in the home end with the name of bsg chemie so i'm not really sure it, it might have been that they have just stolen it as at a previous game and they would like to burn it or whatever or it just should insult the visitors in a homophobic way. I'm, I'm not sure about the details, but at least it, it shows again that if you would like to choose one of these clubs, you should go for BSG Chemie. Yeah, I mean, in Leipzig, you have another option in Red Star Leipzig, right? They're also kind of left-wing. Yeah, but they are playing, I, I would say, another four leagues down. So, yes, so they are sort of Christ-class of the Cirque's League or something like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, those two teams are cool. The others are not. Um, anyways, uh, I desperately want to go to one of those Leipzig derbies now because, um, you know, it, it would be fun to observe up close. But um, I don't know if I want to start with the Lok Leipzig fans. Um, anyways, the, the match ended 1-0 for Lok, um, who are now third in the Regionalliga Nord-Ost. Five points behind table toppers Berliner AK. And you know what? I'm, I'm sure that we'll get into that particular league a lot more in the not too distant future. Jasmine, when when you listen to the story, any, any sort of thoughts of uh, of what was going on there? Uh, anything you you would like to add? I'm never taking a bike to a f any football match ever. It will either get slashed by rival fans now, which is a new anxiety I didn't think I would ever have, or I just the normal one of my bike being stolen because that's a pretty common. Yeah. Those those leaks are rough. <laughs> like, I, it's an eye opener for me for someone who hasn't really experienced a lot of German football up close. I would love to get into it. I'm not sure if I would love to get into it. It's one of those impulsive, yeah, I'll go to a Lock Leipzig match and just observe. I'm not sure how much I would enjoy that one. Maybe back. you should start with a Chemie Leipzig match then. But I mean, if the, this, the, the Regionalliga not Austin in particular, it's a rough league. I mean, you've got <laughs> Lock Leipzig, you've got BFC Dynamo, you've got Energy Coppers, you get Chemnitz FC. So those are all clubs with fan groups or you know very vocal fan groups that have you know questionable political belief systems maybe and, uh, just not start in the state of saxony i've been to chemnitz fc so i've got that one you know checked off on, on my ground hopping list and i'm not going back anyways yeah. you could start with babelsberg or tb berlin so maybe that's yeah tb berlin i've into want to go back there and bubbles back definitely on my to-do list anyways uh talking about having something on your to-do list in terms of ground hopping mike what is your ground hopping tip for this episode 
yeah, after this discussion, it can be only one, and it's the Alfred Kunze Sportpark. It's the home ground of the BSG Chemie Leipzig, and it's in the district of Leutsch, and the capacity at the moment, unfortunately, is only 5,000. So uh, it was opened in 1920, and the highest capacity was in the 50s when 32,000 witnessed a game against Turbine Airford at that time. And um, it, if it would not have been restricted by authorities these days, it could still hold at least 18,000 fans. But maybe this will come back in the near future. I'll come to that in a second, because three of the stands are quite normal, just a few steps, and the home stand is a little bit bigger, uh, but still not that spectacular. But the old wooden main stand, this is really, really a beauty. And I'm sure you will enjoy if you, if you see that. So it's all also the the only one with a roof at the moment. And last year uh, the stadium became 100 years old, and there was um, there there are some plans to renovate the whole complex. So there are also an artificial pitch next to it, and so on. Um, and they have a time frame of the next 20 years, and in that they want to renovate the whole complex and whole stadium. And I'm quite optimistic that after that, um, they will be allowed to host more than 5,000 again. Um, unfortunately, two of those stands are planned in the last step of the whole renovation. So it might take 20 years um, until it's ready. Well then, uh, I mean, all of us are fairly young, so... We'll do Aufstieg, the pensioners podcast, when this opens, but it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be fun, you know, talking about arthritis and stuff. Anyways, uh, that that is a great tip, and uh, Alfred Kunze, by the way, is, is the coach of the team that won the GDR championship rather surprisingly, as BSG Shimi back then was ripped off all of its talents, and that was sent to another Leipzig team, and suddenly the rest of Leipzig won the league ahead of the, you know, the presumably best sides from Leipzig and elsewhere in the GDR. So that is a great story and a very appropriate name for BSG Shimi's stadium. Anyways, it's been truly, um, well, uh, well, it's, it's not been a pleasure recording Aufstieg, to be honest. It's been entertaining, at least. <laughs> it's, it's been entertaining. I've, I've been, it's been a drama show. It's been a reality TV show. Yeah, it's a bit like Love Island. There's only less fun. Anyways, I've been horror-tained, and, and that's all that matters. Uh, guys, uh, thanks for joining me once again. It's, it's been fun talking to you, at least. Uh, Jasmine, uh, can you tell our listeners where they can find your work and where they can find you on Twitter? Yep, um, you can find my work at DW Sports, where I do a piece once every month. Month, and you can find me on Twitter at jasmine underscore bh1 and I should have some really cool things coming out towards the end of this week and the start of next week. Ooh, looking forward to that. Mike, do you have anything cool coming out this week or next week or at any given time? Um, you can find our famous advents calendar uh, starting on 1st of December on the Milan tone course so that's the side you should follow yes love myself a good christmas calendar anyways uh, this show has been produced by aiden rantoul with the utmost of care and i'm sure he's a vertebrain fan by now after having listened to this episode my name is nick Biltong. you can find me on twitter at norm musings talking foosball extra Aufstieg edition is going to be back two weeks from now make sure to 
support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash talking foosball, because, you know, me and Jasmine have recorded some stuff there so far this season, and we're probably going to continue to do that. Anyways, until next week, where I'll, you know, get back to you with the edition of Talking Foosball Extra about some topic or other. It is goodbye for now. Next up on this feed are the Fantasy Boys, James and Flo. 